welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Uh, did did either of you uh, find yourself obsessively looking for pictures of people from the Met Gala <laughs> earlier this week? I was I was following a TikToker who was live streaming it. It was mm-hmm. a lot of fun for me. TikTok showed me some looks. And then I just had to know more. I don't really like that's not usually my interest, right? Like that's not usually something that I care about. But then I found myself like, well, I must know what everyone wore to the Met Gala. I have no understanding of the reference. I know the name Carl Lagerfeld. I I know that that's a person who did Mm -hmm. clothing stuff. So like I understand. But like as far as like what that means in terms of theme or what things should look like, I have no reference for any of that. So I don't know why I was interested in it. But I was like obsessively looking for outfits. Well, yeah. What do you think? Uh, I, I mean, OK, can I preface this with like. I. I um, like to wear cargo pants and what, tank tops you know he famously said that sweatpants are a sign that you've given up well and i like sweatpants you too i disagree uh, with that man on many statements that's yeah. one of them. yeah i i there seem to be a lot of black and white and i like that i don't well i don't wear a lot of white because i have small children who spill things but like i like black a lot i wear a lot of black um so i don't know i mean so but my pre- I'm prefacing with this so like I don't know anything about the world of fashion. Like I don't know, you know. That's okay. I know what I I'm just I'm just trying to make it clear I'm not an expert here. I, I don't thought think I'll- anyone <laughs> assumed <laughs> you were. I just I don't want it to sound like like well Sydney's an idiot. Why would she ever uh, think that? I mean, I obviously I have no idea what I'm talking about. Fashion with Sydney. <laughs> I I thought many people look nice because they're like beautiful famous people who generally always look nice, right? Like I don't know, like do they look fabulous? Like yeah, a lot of those people always kind of look fabulous. Um I I thought that it was strange. There seemed to be a cat thing. What part of it was a cat thing? He had and a cat. so he has a cat. Yeah. yeah has a cat. He, um, so that was part of it was cats and jared leto was dressed as one yes as was doja Doja cat Cat, yeah but doja cat seemed to do it in a fashion way jared leto did it in a literal like he dressed as a he was in a cat suit yeah yeah i like Like a giant oversized cat suit i i will i my personal preference would have been on doja cat's cat because i also like that she committed to the bit and only answered interview questions with little meows oh yeah i didn't see that um, that's pretty funny. She's also just in the background of lots of people, other people's interviews, just vaping in the background. And however you feel about vaping, I feel like that's a very cat thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, man, I blame TikTok for any of anything I know related to this. I was under the impression that the Kardashians had been uninvited. But then I saw them. Yeah, they were there. I guess because it's the one like ruined boys. Marilyn Monroe's dress. That yeah. is was my understanding is that I believe Kim wore Marilyn Monroe's dress last year and that it like somehow messed it up. 
Yeah. I just wish it was making me wish that Doja Cat had been there and been invited in the year that they did camp because they did camp and about 90% of the looks there were not camp. They were just like, oh, it's a pretty outfit or like, that's a silly outfit. It was not camp. And Doja Cat wearing that and committing to the bit by just saying meow, that was camp. (laughs) Yeah. See, I think I think camp ultimately worked off because everybody did it so poorly that the whole thing as a unified movement was camp. (laughs) Because it was I bad. <laughs> I don't know how to. I mean, I think it's. I can understand. I am. I am uh, advanced enough um, to understand the idea that like pieces of clothing can be works of art. I understand that. And like looking at some of the construction and the color and the, all that, like I get it. Like, oh, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing that someone created. I understand all that. Um, I think what's hard is that as you're watching it, which like generally I don't ever look at this, but. I don't know why this year it just fell into my to my algorithm and I couldn't stop. Um, it has a vibe of like the Hunger Games, oh, yeah. the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And then because part of that in the Hunger Games is that people have done like not just it's not just about your clothes and your makeup and your hair and your jewelry. They've, they've done like body modification to look more extreme in certain ways. When Doja Cat came out looking like a cat. It felt like, oh, okay, so it is Hunger Games, the capital. It's literally, that's where we are. And then I don't know how to feel because I'm like, your outfits are beautiful, but isn't this a problem? I mean, it is. It's a nice, like, if you can just, like, forget (laughs) the entire world and be like, look at pretty people and pretty clothes, then it's nice. If you think too hard about it, then I was, I, I, I like Bella Ramsey. I liked her, her Tom Ford suit, the the, mm-hmm. the pearl studded, that whole look mm-hmm. was awesome. Mm-hmm. I like Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal looked awesome. His his little devil look, I'm going to be cribbing that style all summer long. <laughs> I like uh, that Phoebe Bridgers got invited to her first Met Gala and said, I'm just keeping my aesthetic and just went with skeleton chic again. <laughs> I, just black I, uh, dress with little pearls. Yeah. What's her name? Uh, Wednesday. Jenna oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, she yeah. looked great. Yeah. She looked fantastic. Yeah, like, I mean, I and I can appreciate that. Like, I know a ton of, I don't know how to make clothing, but I under I know enough people who do that I understand the time, the effort, the artistry, the skill that goes into creating these things. I certainly couldn't do it. So I am not in any way shading that aspect of it. I just I think like pretending like I know enough to criticize or critique um, because I mean, these people are all so wealthy and have yes. the most expensive everything that it doesn't matter if I say I don't like their outfit. But I like at least pretending like I know enough about fashion that I'm like, mm, I don't know if that's the right style for them. I don't know if that fits the theme. I don't know but anything. I that's just, the I have no idea. I just no, like <laughs> being mean. It's it's the one the one element of control. Like uh, these people are yeah. infinitely more wealthy than we will ever be, and. Uh, hey. The world is dying, but you know what? I can make fun of your silly dress. <laughs> exactly. Hey, what's the connection? Uh, do you all know? So Chloe Feynman was there and like was hosting or something or They have a lot of different people that like different individual news outlets or like magazines will have celebrities like host for them on the red carpet. And like they walk the red carpet, but then they stand there with microphones and interview people. Well, so and she I, but she had, someone. Well, she had been there last year, too. 
Oh, well, maybe she. So I was that. I was curious because she's like an SNL person. It seemed like a weird did, intersection, did like he, an SNL person at the Met Gala. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, SNL feels like th- that's the place where you make fun of the Met Gala. You know what I mean? Did you know she's also a Scientologist? Oh no! Oh no! Because I didn't until TikTok told me that, and I that blew my mind. Now, maybe that's why. Maybe that's how why. Do you, she's how do you have the connections to get to now? Now see. Now, <laughs> yeah, there was like a video that I specifically got fed that was like cult members at the Met Gala. I was like, oh yeah, this is right I up my that. alley. <laughs> 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 what? It's just my so, kind of spice. <laughs> sometimes your algorithm shows you something, and you're like, oh no, that is me. Oh. Yeah. I fell down a deep hole because all I get now are videos about Elizabeth Moss, mm-hmm. and oh, like God. I didn't know there was like levels and advancement and like ascension i don't know but i didn't know that was a thing but i guess she's doing all of this now and like even though she was like born into the the scientology now she's like doing it like hardcore i don't know what that means but it's all i can watch videos about now i don't even understand it but it's just my entire for you page you uh we did a on my other podcast we did an episode on the purification rundown once which is a Scientology th- anyway you should check it it is weird they're everywhere you don't know it they're uh, it makes me uncomfortable is that what happens when you just have too much time and money in your life you're like I, I guess I gotta get into a cult I don't, I don't I mean I listen I think I've said this on the show before Justin and I like to watch cult shows like we've always those, those are the documentaries we do I've never been uh, into murder shows very much, but I do enjoy cult shows. Um, but we have both talked about like how I can get, I'm not saying we're planning on this, but I get in the <laughs> well, early days of some mm. of these cults, especially some of the old ones, when it's like, listen, we're just all about love and listening to chill music and dancing around and maybe some orgies, like all that stuff. And like, there's probably drugs here. Like, I get it. We live communally. We take care of each other. We garden. Like, I like all that stuff. I would want to be in Sydney, that cult. that's how all the scariest ones started. But- well, I know, but I feel like, <laughs> we've talked about this. Justin and I both feel like we're the kind of people who the first time in a group like that, somebody went, and also, I think I'm God. I would be like, okay, I'm out. I'm done, actually. Good. <laughs> we got to the point in the documentary when we peace out because <laughs> now things go bad. I just want to be in there for that first part. <laughs> well, but like that first part, that's just like, I don't know. That's just any given warehouse in Brooklyn. That's just like, yeah, people guarded on the roof oh, yeah, and have shows in their living room. It's fine. Like, I've done that. And no cult <laughs> happened. There was no cult. Like that's a whole other element that has to come in. That it's just the commune. Y- yeah, I mean, like that's just the community can happen without cults. I think I, maybe I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I, I saw nobody needs it. to be God. That's my statement. <laughs> I um I just needed you all to know that I also saw that video about cult members at the Met Gala and the top comment that I saw repeatedly with people convinced that Jared Leto was in a cult and finally they all came to the consensus that no I don't think he is he just looks like someone that would be he looks like someone that has a cult that leads yeah, he looks like he's a leader person yeah. that believes yeah. he's God in that cat suit <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
I <laughs> I don't know, man. I, whatever makes you happy. I mean, that's what I, I think people criticize him for wearing a cat suit, but like, I don't know. I mean, y'all keep inviting him after he brought a fake head, like his own head, like a I fake. Mean, he had of a pretty stylish on, outfit on underneath too. Yeah, well, and pretty it's all—it's—it's it's what's her name, Anna Winter's whole. Mm-hmm. That's—it's all her thing. Which you know what? I'm gonna say it because I don't think she listens to this podcast. <laughs> uh, why does she never have to try? Why does <laughs> why why does she show up in like the same kind of like ish every time, and she doesn't get any flag, and then everybody else just has to like. It, it's the Hunger Games of fashion. Everybody else has to, like, swing for the fences. I what? saw someone on TikTok say her commitment to never serving at her own event is astounding. <laughs> you know, it's very true. I, the only the only thing I will say is that this year, I think it was kind of a serve to bring Bill Nye as her date, I guess, introduce, I guess, hard launching their relationship. Wait, what? Like the yeah, science guy? Yeah. No, Bill Nye from... I don't know, from Love Actually is my reference. Oh, so oh. not Bill Nye. <laughs> no, not Bill Nye. N-I-G-H-Y. Isn't that how that's... Uh, oh, know? man. I thought you were talking <laughs> no, about Bill the Nye. science guy. I thought we were Anna Wintour and Bill Nye? Okay. Anna Wintour and Bill Nye, the science guy. How did I miss that? If she did listen to our podcast, she'd be mad. That's fine. You know what? That's fine. I was... No. Oh, you know, but I mean, speaking of Anna Wintour, I was there for Anne Hathaway. And Hathaway, mm. who just ages like a fine wine, continues mm. to, to, to grow in both grace and beauty. I don't understand what, what deal with some sort of fey creature she made, but... No, she's yep. incredible. Yeah. yeah, she looked gorgeous. I was obsessed with the fact that there were two people wearing the same dress, just in a different color. I was mm. like, has this ever happened before? That's this not supposed crazy. to happen. Yeah. You know what, Anna Wintour, you didn't spend any time picking out your dress so you should have had time to look over the looks and make sure that didn't happen that okay i'm just gonna throw this here we go conspiracy theories <laughs> one of the two was olivia wilde yeah mm-hmm. who has been like yeah the the media and everybody has a weird relationship with her recently right yeah she's been like criticized mm-hmm. she's been vilified in some ways um I don't really know her, so perhaps quite unfairly, right? I mean, she I think destroyed her family for Harry Styles, but I feel like a lot of people would have done that. So, you know. <laughs> well, and it's hard because yeah. Jason Sudeikis, meanwhile, gets to play Ted Lasso. Right. So, like, our perception of him is this, like, sweet, quaint, adorable, loving dad guy. And, like, now everybody hates Olivia Wilde, and that's probably all unfair, right? Like, we don't know what happened. We don't know what was going on there. Nobody knows. But then you start to wonder... Was this intentional? Oh, do you think somebody let her let her flop? On purpose? Somebody let her flop. What if somebody let her flop? I don't. I know. also saw the debate that know. the the way that the dress was styled and like tailored, like looked different on the other person wearing it. Not just like mm-hmm. oh, they're a different person; it fits differently. But like Olivia Wilde had those cuffs on that go with it. The other person wasn't wearing those, and like the middle part, like the design of the thing in the middle, that kind of looks like a um, liner. Mm-hmm. For you know, hygiene, oh. that thing that was like it shaped did, it like a maxi down. pad. <laughs> it yeah, kind of looked did. like a maxi pad. Well, I uh, thought it her, looked that way on both dresses, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess like that part of it was like different. So, I don't know. 
that, I, I saw people saying that it looked like it was not meant to look as good on Olivia Wilde. It's nice Her- to pretend these are real problems, right? It's <laughs> yeah, nice true. to divorce your brain from reality and, and pretend because mm-hmm. it's not a real problem. They were both incredibly lovely women who are incredibly mm-hmm. well off wearing beautiful garments that looked very different. It's yes. fine, but it's nice to like. Yeah, this is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna forget about the World War Three brewing. <laughs> I'm just gonna look at these dresses. I just like <laughs> that Carly Kloss finally decided to know what camp was and announced her pregnancy at the Met Gala because that's about one of the wildest things you could do. Like, guess what? There's my there's my baby. Well, now she was the looking looking camp right in the eye person, right? Because mm-hmm. that's the thing. She delivered camp with that one two punch. <laughs> she did. She posted With that. With that pose that said, I'm looking camp right in the eye and then showed up wearing like the most mundane little mini dress ever. It looked like oh like if you buy like a five pack of Barbie fashions, mm-hmm. like it's the fifth one. Like it's like somebody <laughs> said, this is fine. This doesn't matter. Just we yeah. need five just Barbie dresses. <laughs> and just it's just it like some lame sewed the, together. <laughs> it's the one you put on your least favorite Barbie. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, but the, 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 the one two punch of the post and then the outfit made it camp. <laughs> that was camp. You're yeah. right. You're right. Uh, we've got a Taylor. We've t- talked about the Met Gala way too long. We're not talking about the Met Gala today. Um, oh. We are talking about Letters to Cleo, which mm-hmm. is a band that I like. Formed formed in the in the nineties in Boston. Um, I uh, I don't know. I think the the, the first <laughs> they come into like. They were very big in a lot of like movies too. Like they were in mm-hmm. the uh, Ten Things I Hate About You soundtrack. They were the the oh. lead singer uh, Kay Hanley did uh, the vocals for Josie's singing voice and Josie and the Pussycats. Mm-hmm. Um, I had all their albums. Uh, my favorite was Go. I realized that as I was making like a compilation for you. I'm like, I do like all their albums. All of my favorite songs are on the same album. <laughs> but- yeah, I felt the same way as you were um, sending us the... I realized as I was listening through your playlist that all the songs from Go, I'm like, oh, these are all the ones I know the best. I know some of the other ones, like Aurora, Gorealis, I know some of those too. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, Go were the one I was like, oh, this is the one I had on heavy rotation in my car. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I, like with many bands that you all bring, had thought I had never listened to them before because I just, like, have never consciously sought out that band but i definitely have heard at least i think i got time in here now Mm. have been in soundtracks because they came on and i was like hold up i know these songs i have heard these like a lot um because they that when you said 10 things i hate about you that makes sense it very they very much have that vibe of that era of film yeah um so i definitely had heard some of these before they do. They have that vibe of that era of film that's very '90s. Their whole mm-hmm. vibe is so like such a '90s heavy vibe. But it's also her voice. I think there's, and I don't know how. I don't know exactly what I'm saying. So maybe you guys can help me. There's something about her voice as like it is. I mean, she's singing songs that they're not necessarily like sweet, but her voice has this inherent kind of sweet, like it's a little higher kind of a, a girlishness to it. And then coupled with like this heavier kind of music underneath it, there's something about it that's a very 90s, like pop punk feminist kind of aesthetic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think because because it's a bit like there's like like Riot Girl 
bands that were a, a lot harder and a little, a little rougher. It's sort of the mainstreamification of that idea. Like, which not, yes. there's nothing wrong with that. I loved it, but it is kind of like it's digestible, right, girl? <laughs> it is because her voice is very pleasing and not in any way like screechy or yelly or, you know, like <laughs> she's she's angry sometimes or upset or displeased, but not in a way where you think she's going to punch you. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about that that's a very 90s. It's like the voice that would accompany Adelia's catalog. I don't, I don't know. Like if you imagine. I that don't know if that's reading, a read, but it is accurate. I, it's, it's, it's like if somebody was reading the clothing descriptions in Delia's catalog aloud to you, it would be that voice. This is the, the vocal equivalent of a glittery inflatable chair. Yes. <laughs> But in some corn, in some kind of like neon, like not pink or purple necessarily, mm. like some kind of like green or blue. As a blue, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it's not too girly, but it is. We are definitely girls here. Like that's what that voice said. I don't know. There's just something about it. That was feminism in the '90s, Riley. There you go. <laughs> um, I will say I always enjoy when there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance between the voice that you're hearing and the lyrics because. I think it always provides that moment of like, then you start actually listening to what is being said and you're like, oh, wait a minute. I was bopping and that is not, that is not what Mm-mm. is being said. A bop is not what is being said, but a bop is what is occurring just in my ears. Um, and then you have to take a minute and go back like, oh man, this is not what I thought it was. Um, but I do like that because I think that's a lot more interesting than, I also think that is a lot more 90s. I think that's something you don't see as often people doing. I think there's a very specific now like pop tone, both mm-hmm. of like voice and vocal style, but also like songs and the same even with like, you know, alternative stuff or um, indie, whatever. Like it all has very similar tones. You know exactly what it, kind of song you're getting into when you get into it. That yeah, is not the no. case for, for this. I, I think you're exactly right. I think you're hitting on a bigger thing, at least when I think about Letters to Cleo and music in the 90s and sort of like that generational attitude. I think you're hitting on something bigger there that I agree with. Before we talk about that, though. Let's check the group a, message. Exactly. Let's go. Let's go. So uh, when, whether you're listening to Letters to Cleo or whatever your favorite music or podcast Uh, You probably want to take that with you wherever you go. You know, these days uh, we're always on the move and you need earbuds that you can count on to be high quality, to stay in your ears, to have a good, comfortable fit um, and uh, at a price that you can afford. Um, And a lot of times, you know, nowadays you're paying for just a brand name and maybe not necessarily just for quality. Uh, And that's why Raycon wireless earbuds should be your choice. Because you're not, in this case, you're not going to pay that extra premium just to say you got a certain brand. You're paying exactly what you need to for a great pair of quality wireless earbuds. They're going to do everything that those more expensive brands do, but at, uh, at a lower price. Um, and that's their whole mission. Raycon says you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and the same sort of smart tech listening features uh, that other products are going to charge you a lot more for. Uh, they have an easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews. So it's not just me saying this. There are a lot of other people out there who have made the switch to Raycon wireless earbuds and have said, you are absolutely right. 
Uh, I am so glad to have a pair of earbuds that fit that don't fall out of my ears. That's a big thing for me personally. Um, and that still provide that quality at a lower price. Uh, they have three customizable sound profiles. They've got earbud tap functions, noise isolation. I know that's huge. Justin's a big fan of noise isolation, especially if you're traveling, if you're on an airplane or a train or whatever. That can really be crucial so that you can just listen to what you're listening to and sort of, you know, zone out from the rest of the world. Uh, they've got crystal clear call quality. They're water and sweat resistant. So if you like to wear your earbuds when you're working out or running or if it's just really hot out, you don't have to worry about that. Um, and eight hours of playtime. So, Taylor, if our listeners want to check out Raycon, what should they do? They should go to buyraycon.com slash buffering today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash buffering to score 15% off. Again, that's buyraycon.com slash buffering. So, I think this is, what you just hit on, Riley, is kind of interesting. And, Tay, I would love to know your thoughts on this, too, because I feel like I, I, I get lots of TikToks surfaced to me about generations mm. <laughs> and what generations you belong in. And I find them really interesting because I've never really known. I know that technically my birthday falls just inside millennials, but sometimes the Gen X stuff I feel connects me more. Um, and I think what you're hitting on here is that sort of like 90s view of we'll talk about this really heavy stuff in a song, something really sad or devastating or that makes us really angry. But like we're not going to make a big deal out of it because there's just this like whatever we expect that stuff is crappy. We don't have a lot, like we've got a lot of like nihilism and kind of ennui that we must be experiencing at all times. That's a very Gen X attitude to put out there is like, what's the point in getting all upset or yelling or screaming or making something sad out of this? Nothing will change anyway. Nothing ever gets better. So whatever, like <laughs> there you go. That That is Gen X, that's the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I see where you're. I see where you're getting at. Like, there is like there is a lot of vulnerability in a lot of letters, like many letters to Cleo's song. There's like a a, a very a, an open sadness, mm -hmm. but it is part of it is her voice. It's that she has such a lovely voice, and part of it is just like it's like very pleasant music, and that is mm -hmm. a bit of like a weird, like it's not. It's not the screaming, the yelling, the like I'm hurt and I'm sad. It's I'm hurt and I'm sad, but I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a little bop out of it, and that's mm -hmm. that is a bit of a, a dissonance that I, I guess Im implies apathy. <laughs> well, and I'm not saying that the people that write these songs or that the singer of letters. I'm not saying any of these people are apathetic. I don't know. I don't know how they feel about anything. But that very <clears throat> much typifies, you know, Gen X gets penned with that all the time. Well, and that's which. I I mean, I feel like that's a, I don't know. I love music that does that because I feel like it's, it, it's not just a generational thing. Like when I, like there are like some like, like, um, is it Del Shannon that does Hats Off to Larry? It's like an old, older song. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's this incredible, like, I, very like catchy, boppy, like, like soft, I don't know, soft rock, pop song. Um, but it's all about like, I'm so happy that the, you broke my heart and then someone else broke your heart and utterly destroyed you. And then that makes me so happy. It's the meanest song ever. <laughs> and it's like this like super boppy, happy song. And I feel like there's this balance that like 
before we went like hardcore rock, hardcore punk, where you could just like scream. Like you're mad, so you're going to scream. You're mad, so you're going to sound rough. You're going to sound angry. It's like, no, it's still got to be digestible music, but we got we can yeah. say what we want to say, but we got to say it in a digestible way. There's this weird like friction in that music that is always very appealing to me. And it, it I feel like it does align with that 90s aesthetic, but it's not from there. It started before that. It's the roots of punk music, honestly. Like you get that where it's like, I'm saying something really messed up, but I'm going to do it in a way that you like. <laughs> well, and that, I mean, and I think like if you, if you go deeper into that culture, for a lot of us growing up at that time, I didn't like, the expectation was you're going to work really hard and fight the system but you're probably not going to change it ultimately. And, but, but there was no inclination ever to stop fighting, which I like to think we were playing a long game because, you know, now the kids are all revolutionaries. So, you know, we were just legacy building. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, it wasn't going to happen in our lifetime. I don't know. But if I call Riley. Myself a revolutionary. Yeah, I, I don't know if we're out of the woods. Yet. To be a revolutionary. <laughs> I think they got the. Listen. A lot of them got the right attitude, but they don't got the. They don't. They don't have the, the right infrastructure. Yeah, no, but um, have you met Generation Alpha? <laughs> Is that like below me? Yeah. I think technically Charlie and I are a part of the same generation, but that's Cooper's wild. not. I think that's where the divide has happened, and that's crazy to me. But then sometimes Charlie will say things, and I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. How, how are you culturally aware of the same things that are happening that I am? How do we have the same perception of the world? <laughs> I, I, I really feel like, I mean, it's always a rolling thing. There's not really, right. you know, we put I people just, in boxes, but yeah. yeah. It's the same way that, like, I think technically, like, you two are, like, Gen X and Millennial, but not necessarily, like distinctly different if that mm-hmm. makes sense like where the common cutoffs are technically but i just think that's funny that charlie and cooper are like that like technically cooper is generation alpha which <laughs> makes sense well i think I, if you look at some of the very young people and the way that they feel and the, the lack of fear they have in speaking up about stuff that's bs um it gives me a lot of hope because i think the difference is that like you know, I think when we were younger, Tay, I think we knew we needed to burn it all down, but like none of us were gonna because we were working really hard to like <laughs> get in it. <laughs> and like there was no room to burn it all down. I don't know, you know, Riley, when I look at your generation, you've been through so much. I don't know if you have the, um, I don't know, that it takes a lot of mental energy to burn it all down. But I think that you will reform it, you know. Oh. I think that when we look at like progressive values and stuff, young people are definitely on the right side of that trend. But I think Cooper's generation will come in and burn it all down if we don't fix that, it. Well, I, I don't. I fear the burn it all down mindset mm-hmm. because I think the people that are get get caught in the fire there are are probably the most marginalized people. So I don't know. True. I don't know if I'm a fan of that. Honestly, <laughs> I think it's a very popular, very cool like uh, image to adopt. But I don't think we yep. think through like who 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 fights that class war, who's on the streets. Well, you have it's a privilege to be able to do that stuff. It is. There yeah. are a lot of people who are not privileged enough to be fighting for social justice because they're trying to like pay their rent yeah. and feed their kids, and you know, like it's not it's not realistic I, for them. I will take us back to SLC punk. The whole you got to be in the system change the system 
Yeah. I still do believe in that. Yeah. I will say this is a very limited and isolated and privileged example, but I am, I was shocked by the fact that I am in a law school that has a lot of people my age. Some people are, are older, but a lot, most of the students are about my age. And I was always of the impression that like you go somewhere that's supposed to be like this, you know, high tier elite school and you just kind of do whatever the professors say, like they're the ones that know the most. So you just like, if you get screwed over because they do something unfair or they, you know, do something that like messes with your education interferes, like, well, but they're the ones in charge. So you just do what they say. I've been shocked by the amount of people that are so ready to be like, no, I am putting myself into an insane amount of debt to be here. I am paying to be here. You are supposed to teach me. If you're doing something wrong, I'm going to complain and I'm going to make sure there's a difference. Even if it doesn't affect me, I don't want Mm -hmm. people after me having these same things happen. And that was shocking to me. That's a good good thing. But yeah, yeah, it's good. And again, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like a very limited like, oh, I'm in law school and they're revolting. But I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a different mindset of people saying, I deserve to advocate for myself and what I need. And also I want the system to change for the people after me. This is funny because I feel like what you're talking about is like, this is just how this is proper. Like I'm standing up for myself. It's like Mm -hmm. that, that I feel like there's a meme around this of like people saying like, Oh, I'm in my villain era. And by that, I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. just going to like say when somebody makes me uncomfortable like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to slightly advocate for myself. And I feel like that's what Sydney and I perceive as burning it all down is actually just, hi, this isn't really fair. And I'd like to talk about it. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's, 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 yeah. Well, but I do we think didn't that do mindset. That. <laughs> no, no, we didn't. We didn't. But, but I mean, and I mean, as I've gotten older, I think my I've been able to break out of that. Uh, some of my colleagues have referred to it as institutionalized thinking. Mm. In medicine, that happens a lot. You just accept like, well, I can't make that happen for you because insurance companies say no or administration wouldn't like it or, uh, you know, big pharma. And like instead of instead of locking yourself into that box, why don't you start from the idea that this needs to happen and whatever I need to do to make it happen is now my job. My job has become this. And that that leads you down the pathway to like real fundamental change to a system is when you decide I no longer accept that because those rules exist that they're right or valid or should be upheld and some rules are bad and so breaking them is the ethically responsible thing to do. I think that mindset had to change first. And like if you look at generation before ours, that is not the way people thought. Yeah. Wow. It's like the modern conversation surrounding like raises or like promotions like Mm -hmm. now people say well yeah if you've you know worked at a place long enough and you do hard work and you do more than anyone else you should be able to go in and say hi I would like a raise that's not like an absurd offensive thing to do but the conversation used to be like not too long ago not like in the distant past but recently was no that's not something you do you wait until someone offers it to you and I think Mm -hmm. that's the same thing you're saying of like it's not being demanding or bossy or like arrogant to go in and ask for more money it's advocating for yourself it's almost like we all have become very uh the world revolves around me but for each of us but like i'm just gonna do whatever is going to i deserve and is good for me because if i can be a good like i can get you know a good job that i 
like have worked for, I can get the money I've worked for. If I can do all that, then I can do all of the things that are going to make the world better. But you all have to start doing all these things and like advocating for yourself and doing these things that we all deserve so that we can get there. Cause I mean, if you just, you know, yeah. if you don't, then it just stays the same. I do. I do agree sure. with what you say about, you have to be in the, you gotta be in the system to break the system. There's a line in Hamilton about that. I think. <laughs> that sounds right. That's what that's what he did, right? I think I so. Think, I think that happened. SLC Punk Hamilton. It's all yeah. the same. It's the same story. So Tay, I have to assume that from this playlist you sent us, your favorite song was probably the one about um, someone having a really great sister who like, they can <laughs> I always did think about that <laughs> depend on and count on, and who they wish they could see more. I figured that was probably your favorite. I mean, it is. I will say, I, I, I know you're being glib, but no, like that. That's probably one of my favorite Letters to Cleo songs. It's the song "Sister." I think the album is called "Sister" too. But um, yeah, uh, that song is something that I would listen to a lot. Like especially when I first went away to college, like I would, I would play that song and, and miss Sydney. Right? You were you Aww. were. You were okay. still a baby, but uh, I, I miss that. you too. I now alive. I associate it with both of you, but at the time, because I mean, I also like just yeah. you know, when Sydney went away to college. Actually, that's probably more the time span there is when Sydney was, mm-hmm. you know, across the the not far ten minutes away at <laughs> ten minutes away. Yeah. Yeah, I was ten minutes away at college. But I would, I would, I would hear that song and, and think of her. Um, I love that song. I think it's a. I don't know. It's it's sad. It's it's beautiful. Um, I do too. That one that one was always on my playlist. I love that song. Uh, Copilot was always on my playlist. I love that song. Copilot is one of those songs that is stuck in my head. It's like I don't know. You know, like you maybe everybody has something that just sort of defines what you want from a relationship, and Copilot is it. Like I don't like boyfriend girlfriend don't know about that like partner sounds cool because it's kind of like partner in crime but co-pilot is it like one of us has mm-hmm. to keep this afloat at all times uh it could be you it could be me but one of us has to mm-hmm. be able to co-pilot this thing i feel like co-pilot is like the best most like like jubilant relationship song that's what i want i don't know when i'll if i'll find it but that's what i want i want a co-pilot and that song is the soundtrack of the romance that i want <laughs> yeah no i i i think it, it very much is i i feel that way too like that's is, that that is exactly what i was always looking for is and, justin and your co-pilot found. yeah <laughs> he is my co-pilot it's cute he is that's what i i wanted somebody that like i don't know it like if life is like getting in a Conestoga wagon crossing the plains. Somebody who I wanted to do that with. I mean, a little bit. <laughs> so life is the Oregon Trail. You get cholera sometimes. Sometimes you get dysentery. <laughs> yeah, you know, it happens. But yeah, um, I was looking through the the playlist to see which one I liked most. I was like, oh, those are both so nice. What what did I like? What did I like something nice? And then I realized the one that I marked down as the one is my favorite is because of you. Um. But it's definitely not a nice, no. like, that's lovely song. It, but I love, um, it. not like breakup songs, but ones that are like reflective on a relationship that you're sad that it's over, but you also are like angry because you're finally getting to that point after where you're able to recognize like all the things that someone did to you that you didn't know in the moment. Like mm-hmm. that sort of very specific well, niche. I, I think that's one of the things that... Of, 
reflectiveness. Um, that's that's my favorite kind. And that I, I I felt like, especially for some of the breakup songs that Later Cleo has, like it reminded me a bit of the sort of the like composed vulnerability that Taylor Swift has often. So I was like, I think Riley will like this. Yeah. Because I feel like there's a lot of that that yeah. I really enjoy, where it's like, we're not screaming and yelling. It's not like, you ought to know Alanis Morissette. It's, mm-hmm. I'm going to very eloquently and sadly talk about how much you hurt me. And that is powerful. Like, it feels like a very, like, informed attack on, like, one of my favorite songs is Alouette Me, which is... Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, to me, it like sounds like more like the end of a friendship than maybe like mm-hmm. a relationship. But I, that song is tied to like friendship breakups for me, and that it's like this, you know, I, I don't want to know you lately is a very powerful phrase that's very like concise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it really is. I, I always love music that, um, and I know we've already talked about this, but you, you wouldn't if you just heard this in the background at a party you wouldn't know yeah. <laughs> the kind of levels that it was covering. You you would just have no idea until you sat down and listened to the lyrics. Or if you had a CD read <laughs> the lyrics in the in the liners. We don't have those anymore, but back then we did and you could open it up and follow along little lyrics on your CD liner with it. <laughs> you know, the good old days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you pop it in your Dodge Neon and you go. <laughs> <laughs> I did that with Taylor Swift albums. I read the lyric book in the backseat. Oh, well, there crying. you go. See, <laughs> I don't anymore. Mom, don't mom didn't. Dad card. had one of those six CD changers in the back of his car, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ones that you had to get, like, actually physically removed from the back to reload with <laughs> CD. I think no, I didn't. <laughs> I was trying to remember that. Oh gosh, that green. What did I have? Rodeo? The rodeo. The rodeo. The rodeo. Yeah. yeah. The that rodeo. had a CD changer. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah you had, that was, because that was mom's, and then you got you it, right? It, yes. <laughs> you inherited the rodeo. Oh, that was a good um, car. I miss I miss that Dodge Neon. I mean, probably be a little small for our whole family now. Yeah. but that smelled like meat. Yeah, a little. All the time. It did. It had that tortilla and the. Pfizer and yeah. just always it's way there a lot of, ate a lot of Taco Bell in there. Um, I had my Weezer sticker on it, my Jimmy Eat World sticker, all the great stickers. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have a Letters to Cleo sticker though. Was a, I didn't. I do own that Letters to Cleo t shirt. It's the Aurora same Gorealis. one that Yeah, the, the it's that one. It's what Ben Wyatt wears on mm. Parks and Rec. Yeah, apparently that led to a little bit of like a a resurgence of interest in Letters to Cleo when he wore that shirt. Well, the, and then they played in that one episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And and he was like losing his mind because that was actually Letters to Cleo there. <laughs> that was pretty cute. Had, you know, of all the bands from the like 90s that have reformed and gone on tour lately, Letters to Cleo, maybe they did it a little bit earlier than everybody else because they did have like a little like reformation in like the mid 2000s and then, you know, because they, they they broke up a few times. There were replacements brought in, brought out, but they're not currently together. So I don't know. I mean, they could if they wanted to reform now. I feel like there's there's interest. Mm-hmm. But. I would go see them happily. I, I I always found their music infinitely enjoyable. Um, 
you don't have to be, I think, in any, I, this is personally, I don't have to be in a specific mood to put it on. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there's some music, like, if you're in a really good, happy, chill mood, there's some stuff that's like, that is too sad and heavy for right now. I will be in that place at some point, but not right now. Um, Letters to Cleo is kind of an anytime, anytime music mm-hmm. for me. Which is, again, it's funny, because the, the lyrics aren't always anytime lyrics, but they hide it in very digestible pop songs. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, Taylor, I'm really glad you brought up Letters to Cleo because mm-hmm. I added some songs to my summer playlist. Sydney's summer oh playlist. Sydney's famous summer playlist. <laughs> On Apple Music. Apple Music summer <laughs> <playlist>. <laughs> I, that's normal. It, n- no. no. <laughs> it's absolutely Justin, not. Justin has really started critiquing some of my picks on there. He said that. I don't know. We should probably at some point just do an episode about the concept of a summer playlist well, because no. he said that a summer playlist should not have like songs that are too like heavy or dark or sad. Like a summer playlist. I mean, not that they all they don't all have to be fun, happy pop songs, but generally it should be a lighter mix. You know, I, I f- it shouldn't get too heavy if it's a summer playlist. I feel like it I, should not I, be the moment that happened last summer when we were all on vacation together and Sydney turned on her summer playlist and my heart will go on came on because we just trusted Sydney <laughs> to shuffle her summer playlist to play by the pool. That's, you need to be able to turn on your summer playlist it, on shuffle by I, the pool. He, he got upset. He okay. was like, do you have, did I just hear back to back like uh, <laughs> Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah. <laughs> And uh, yeah. poisons talk dirty to me, and then creep by Radiohead. You can't do that. <laughs> I was gonna say, I know, like a while ago. I guess when your your summer playlist was in its early forms, you you shared it with us, and mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. away I was like, no, 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 Sid, this is not this is not summer vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like there there were some heavy songs on there. Like nobody nobody thinks summer vibes by listening to like I don't know, like like. You, look, I, I, I love some Elliot Smith. Uh, Elliot Smith should not be on your summer playlist. I, no, I didn't put Elliot Smith on there. I didn't go that far. <laughs> Are you sure? Can you check? I'll, I'll double check. <laughs> but, but thank you because this is appropriate summer playlist yes. music. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe absolutely. not everything on that on that playlist, mm-hmm. but some of those songs for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riley, what's next? Well, because there are two things in life that are certain that Taylor Swift will always be releasing a new album and that Scream will always be releasing yet another addition to the franchise. Uh, um, I want to talk about the new Scream movie that came out this year uh, and just started streaming last week, I believe. So Scream right. 6? Question mark? 6? Based in New York City, baby. Yeah. Okay. I don't so, know, but I will find the new Scream movie and watch it. It is the it's least. On Paramount Plus. I will warn you, it's the least New York movie set in <laughs> New York I've ever seen. I did, I did think that. Like, there's a subway scene, and I was like, oh, did they do this so that you remember it's in New York? Because other than the one scene on the subway, you're like, <laughs> like where did this you could film be anywhere. This? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we will watch that for next week. Um, in the meantime, you can get Letters to Cleo. Well, I. On I Apple Music. On, on Apple Music. <laughs> <laughs> there are probably other places you want to get it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll. I. My, you should share your Spotify playlist. It's, it's public. If you, if you look okay. at it, you can find it. 
yeah when i'm done with school i'll take the time to convert sydney's summer playlist into one that we could all listen to on spotify <laughs> please do that yeah like spotify isn't great but i don't apple music isn't better it's better okay. yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not arguing that it is uh <laughs> Thank you, uh, listeners. Thank you to Maximum Fun. You should go to MaximumFun.org for lots of great shows that you would enjoy. You can tweet at us at StillBuff. You can email us at StillBuffing or MaximumFun.org. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And I am too. like a glitch right there at the end and I don't know what's gonna come out there it, it looked like you just gave up like I'm not saying it I'm not saying the tagline <laughs> your camera froze with your head down and it just looked like you went I, I almost touched yeah. us there no. <laughs> screw it I'm not doing it <laughs> the following pro wrestling contest is scheduled for one fall making their way to the ring from the tights and fights podcast are the baddest trio of audio the hair to beware danielle radford it really is great hair the brit with a permit to hit lindsey cow the queen is dead long live the queen and the fast talking fist clocking how uplin see i can wrestle and be an announcer get ready for tights and Fight! Listen every Saturday or face the pain. Find us on Maximum Fun. Now ring the bell. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.